Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi, and I am joined today in studio by Vicki Cundiff and remotely by Mick Wells and by Pastor Josh Kugel. Josh is the lead pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. It's good to have all of you with us today. And today's episode is something that Vicki is going to be leading. Vicki, I see that the name is How to Stand in Perilous Times. And before I hand it right over to you, I want to just let our audience know that you're speaking specifically about how Christians can stand in perilous times, correct? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, because, you know, as we're going to talk about here, there's always been perilous times uh, throughout history. Uh, we're going to live in those times. Uh, history proves that to be true. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and, you know, when you think of two world wars that we have been through, those were certainly perilous times that went all around the world. And so there's been a lot of catastrophes and horrors and tragedies and sin, you know, of, of what's going on, you know, in the world down through the course of time. But then we also have the Bible that records history of time and time again of perilous times that that went on even in those times. And so uh, the book of Acts even shares with us that when the church started, uh, believers were persecuted, they were tortured, killed because of their faith in Christ. And so this same persecution has lived on, particularly in nations where Christianity is hated. And so the Bible warns us really in a lot of places. I don't know if you've ever Googled that or not, but when you Google persecution, there's a lot of scriptures that come up for that. So we just have one here that I want to share with you, John chapter 15 verses 19 and 20, Jesus said to his disciples, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So according to these verses, believers in Christ are going to be persecuted. It's just a given. So why does the world really hate us, and why do they hate Jesus? It has to do, I believe, with um, the fact that this world is infected and affected by sin. Human beings, ever since the fall of humanity that is recorded in Genesis chapter 3, have inherited a tendency from their first human parents— to be selfish, to want our way, to want to go our way instead of going God's way. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament in a in a very, very, very broad sense, it's basically showing us from the point of the fall of humanity how human beings keep trying to attain goodness or keep trying to attain godliness apart from God, trying to do it all with human effort. People don't want to submit to God and that's the problem. And because when there are people who who don't want to submit to God, when other people are trying to tell them, hey, you need to submit to God, it just doesn't work. They don't like that, do they? Not really. I mean, it does work when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, but I mean, they don't like it. That's a better way of putting it. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, Becky, I was thinking that uh, 
there, the Bible tells us there's a, a spirit of Antichrist in the world, and it's put there by the evil one, the enemy of our souls, Satan, and that's the reason a lot of persecution uh, toward Christians takes place. It's almost it almost defies explanation, but it's there, and I, I see it pop up now and then. If I'm listening to a debate, for example, between an atheist and somebody who believes in God, there's there's more than just a a uh, civil debate going on. There's an anger that emerges on the part of people um, who just from from within themselves exude hatred toward God, toward the mention of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, too, that there's a, a scripture in First uh, Peter that kind of explains that, uh, that puzzlement that we would have because of, of the persecution. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In other words, the Bible even explains that persecution is going to come and it seems so strange that you don't even know what to think of it. And I attribute it all uh, to the enemy and the influence of the enemy in this world. That's good. I agree with you. Yeah, and I, I, I would say, I mean, those are those are great answers too. I, I think we need to dismiss for one. The, the world often talks about hypocrites in the church, and I think those often veil other things. But I think we all don't like hypocrites, and so uh, we're all able to say, well, that that I'll just dismiss that for a second. I think like like you guys were saying, we belong to two kingdoms. They're two warring kingdoms. One is. Uh, the kingdom of the self and the kingdom of this world and the ruler of this world. And the other is a kingdom that says, look, I'm uh, uh, sinful. I need saving and I'm going to follow Jesus for that salvation. The other, I, I think, is newer. Um, and I think it comes and goes. Solomon said nothing is new under the sun. Right. right. And so um, the other is I think we are in a culture right now that's rejecting things like the patriarchy, colonialism and all this kind of stuff that was set up long before we were there that only specific groups are said to benefit from. And I think right now, and this is just another reason to hate Jesus and the church and all, is I think the church represents that that is being rejected in our culture, along with the church and Jesus, and, and we represent this objective truth that there is one way to heaven, there is one way to live, there is one way to be, and our culture right now is trying to rewrite those things by rejecting things that for a long time have been stable and understood. Um, Jesus comes onto the scene. He says, uh, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, God gives these commandments that are all, except for one, I think, echoed in the New Testament. Of, this is the way to live. Paul kind of uh, goes off on um, the way Christians should live. And so we represent not only this objective truth that people are trying to or trying to dismiss and get rid of, but we also represent um, this kind of idea that they're rejecting right now of institution, like the church was set up and they're rejecting that and, and, and many other things that are just our culture is trying to kind of upset and and all at the moment. So just just a little bit to add to what was already said. So. No, that's that's really good. And you know they don't want that conviction on their heart, do they? 
in what mm, we represent, yeah. and they're trying to rewrite everything. And that, that I totally agree with everything that's that's been said. But you know, it the conviction, like you know, when you come into that light of Christ, that conviction of sin is going to come upon them, and they don't want to hear that. They don't want to feel that because as I think you said, Pete, you know, they, they want their own way, mm-hmm. you know, about things. And so they don't want to feel that uh, conviction upon their heart. And so, again, that's, that's, these are good answers to the perilous times that we're living in, even, in, even as a church, as you've brought up, Josh. But, but we do live in a fallen, sinful world. There's hate, division, corruption, deceit, murder, immorality. People are greedy, they have a thirst for power, and they'll do anything to get what they want. And it's all a direct result of sin, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether people realize it or not. So Jesus said here in John 8, 34, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And so therein is the problem, right? And so unless people repent of their sins, invite Christ in their heart, and live that righteous life he's called us to live, then they're going to sin because the Bible says they're slaves to it. You know, Apostle Paul said that also in Romans, that uh, people are slaves to sin. Uh, so sin is running rampant. We see that in our own country. We see it all around the world, um, but it's not anything new. It's been going on down through the course of time. And so I think that it's really just that we really can't grasp that horribleness until we're living in it ourselves. You know, in America, for so long, we didn't see a lot of the things that the other world was seeing. Right. But as the decades go by, more and more, you know, that relative uh, moral relativity that's coming out, you know, and it's been going on for a long time, where, you know, whatever is good for somebody, you know, you just do your own thing. There's no, they don't want to believe that there's a standard, do they? And we've talked about that before, right. Right. you know, how they, they don't really want a standard uh, to live by. But, you know, we're all over the place if we don't have a standard, you know, have some kind of discipline. And, and so really we need that. So we know that persecution is really taking place all around the world. Um, but this program really isn't about the sinful things that are going on in the world and what is happening in our world, but how we can stand strong in Christ against it. Um, in order to do that, we need to know who we're up against, don't we? Um, and the, the Bible reveals that the real enemy uh, is Satan, right? Correct. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6. And so we're going to go to those verses and read uh, verses 10 through 12. And so, Mick, I believe okay. you were going to read those, weren't you? Yeah, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, tell us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what do you think these scriptures are saying to us? I think they're very clear, but Mm -hmm. I believe also that we live in a culture today that is too, and I I like to use the word sophisticated, kind of with my nose up in the air saying sophisticated, (laughs) to believe in evil, to believe in a spiritual world. I think it's really interesting, you know, we have people who have seances, we'll have people who will, you know, say, I saw angels, we'll have people who, um, you know, will pray to all kinds of other deities or whatever, but if you say Jesus Christ, oh, no, no, you know, you're silly, you're stupid, or whatever that might be, um, there is a reality that there is a spiritual battle going on in this world, and um, there is evil in the world, and a lot of people just don't want to believe that. But it's there because 
there is a spiritual force of evil, which we'll call Satan. I agree. Anyone else with Um, any thoughts? I I just say one of the misconceptions we have, I think about verses like this, and I'll start it by saying another one is uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. We all kind of know that one. And we assume that when the spirit is alive in us, then some of those fruits will show up in our lives when it's really the spirit kind of manifests itself in all of those fruits showing Mm -hmm. up in our lives. And I think it's interesting that in this particular verse, and then I think back to how we talk about in church, specifically like in children's church or something, it says, so that you can take your stand against the the devil's schemes. Obviously the the devil, the leader of the Warren kingdom wants to take you out, wants to uh, uh, keep your influence low and all of that. But the, the response to it is to put on not just the shield and not just the helmet, but to put on the whole armor of God or the full armor of God. And I think it's this kind of, we, we understand and we sometimes try to dismantle this, like I'm going to take up the sword. And really it's those who are seeking uh, the protection of Christ, those who are in the Lord will develop this kind of way of living that protects, you know, the mind, the the body, the the influence you have and all of this. And I think this really, at least as, as far as putting on, is that as we live in Christ, we put on the armor of God that protects us from the devil's schemes. And so it's not so much, hey, um, I'm going to go out and learn as much as I can so I can get the sword of truth. It's the closer I get to Jesus, the better protected I'm going to be. Um, and so that that's kind of what, one of the things that I get from this. So, Well, that was fantastically said, Josh. I really like how that uh, how you said that. And right now we do need to take a quick break for our sponsor. So we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode of Reconciling Grace. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace. We've been talking about how to stand in perilous times, and we've just had read the scriptures from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, that talks about standing strong uh, in the Lord's power and putting on the armor of God that we were going to be talking about here in just a little while. Um, But we talked about in this scripture that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so we can see from that that there's there's a, the devil is real. There are evil spirits out there uh, in the world that are coming against us. They're scheming, they're strategizing against us. And so although people are the ones who are coming against us so often when something happens to us, the real enemy uh, are these evil forces and it's Satan. And there's a reference scripture before we move on to the armor of God that uh, I'd like for us to read. It's from Ephesians chapter two, verses two through three. All right. In this, uh, Paul is speaking to believers who had accepted Jesus as their Savior and says, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God, following the passionate desires and inclinations of their sinful nature. Now, that's a very strong passage of Scripture, isn't it? And it's clearly telling us here that the devil is the commander of the powers of the unseen world. And basically everyone who doesn't know Christ are sinners. And as Jesus said, they're slaves to sin. They're unknowingly obeying the devil through their disobedience to God. And I think that people are basically unaware of this. Uh, basically, you know, I, I know I was for all those years before I came to know Christ mm-hmm. and, and started getting into the Bible and realizing this truth. 
And so I think that if people would hear this verse that didn't know anything about Christianity, they'd probably be shocked and maybe even upset to hear this. And so for most people, it's not a conscious choice that they've made uh, to serve the devil, but it is the reality that we live in according to the scriptures, just simply because we're not living for Christ. And so they just don't realize that until they learn the truth in the Bible and our need for Christ is revealed to us. But I do want to emphasize that people can't just say, well, the devil made me do it and use that for an excuse. <laughs> Where's Flip um, Wilson when you need him? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember those, <laughs> those shows. Uh, because I just want to reiterate there that sin is a choice. You know, we, we don't have to follow those passionate desires or, or choose to sin because we, it is a choice that we are doing. So if we are choosing to sin, you know, that blame is going to fall on us. But what the scriptures are trying to tell us is that there is such evil influence in the world, and it's coming against us, and it's going to use whatever's in us. You know, without Christ and the Holy Spirit living with us, in us, then that sin is really going to rise up. The Bible says sinners are slaves to sin, and so uh, they're going to want to satisfy those sinful desires. Um, and so that's how the, they're being influenced greatly to sin, and that's what the scriptures are trying to show us. So although people do sin against us, our true enemy is Satan, and we're at war with him. And I found it to be true, and maybe you have too, that this really helps knowing this and really letting it settle into our hearts when people do come against us and we can remember where that source is coming from and pray against that. And it, for me, it kind of helps put things into perspective for me and helps me to be more forgiving to someone who may have done something wrong or, or something like that. Um, against me. Um, so it does help us to know that. But as we talk about the armor of God here, we're going to continue in the scriptures. And our, our strength is found in God. And we, we need him, don't we, to fight for us, but not just for us, but with us. You know, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit in here as we talk about the armor of God, because we can't, we can't fight this battle alone, right? Correct. And thankfully, we don't have to, Pete. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> you know, I can't we, do it on my own. I know that. No. and Now, so now we, maybe Mick can, but... Yeah, but I don't think so. <laughs> Mick's a strong guy, though. <laughs> but we need, we need the Holy Spirit's power within us, don't we? Absolutely. And Christians have that. And so let's read the Scripture. And, and Pete, you're going to read this, and then we're going to talk about this armor of God and how we can use it for our good. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so these are really some powerful scriptures. Um, these verses show us how to stand strong in the Lord against the enemy. Um, it tells us to stand firm in truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and Helmet of Salvation is basically referring to the mind and, and the Word of God and in prayer. And so, you know, this is where our power source is. So let's, let's break these down a little bit. So stand firm in the truth. What do you have to say about the truth as far as what that truth would be or how we can stand uh, in truth or how we can gain the truth? How do, we, how do we know what the truth is? 
I believe we kind of talked about this in a previous episode where we asked what is truth, and we, we boiled it all down to what, what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, which basically we have to understand that all truth is based in Jesus Christ. We all kind of understand that the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of, of God are different and the ruler of this world is a father of lies. And so it makes sense that we're best able to stand against those lies by clinging to the truth, which would be, uh, um, I mean, you just look at it, anything that comes from scripture, anything that, you know, that, that we can, uh, we know that comes from God who uh, there, there's no lies in him. Um, and so as we cling to him, I think we naturally withstand the father of lies. And Satan is the author of all lies. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus tells us that. I think it's in John chapter 8. So he's trying to deceive. He's trying to lie. Um, and so the best way to combat the, uh, the lies is with the truth, isn't it? I think it's uh, also important to know the truth of ourselves. You know, he's gonna, he tries to attack our identity, you know, of who we are uh, in Christ and tries to lie to us about that. So that's another truth. We need to know the truth of ourselves now that we're believers and to grasp that for ourselves of who we are in Christ, because that really helps us to battle against him. I think that's important. And I don't want to just, um, you know, gloss over that. Uh, One of the biggest uh, schemes that I've known the devil to do is when you hear the words after you've messed up and you call yourself a Christian. You know, when you think about that, it is so easy for some people, especially um, who might not have a great self-esteem in the first place, mm-hmm. to just think about how, how they've messed up. Well, you know, we have to understand that God knows if we mess up. And the point is, it's not that, that he hates us or he loves us any less, but we need to go running to the Father when we mess up and understand that um, he, he wants to forgive us. In fact, he forgave us when Jesus died on the cross. We just need to accept that forgiveness and try to move on from there. And then he, he somehow he forgets it, even though we can't forget it. Right. He, 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 he doesn't say he forgets it. He says he remembers it no more. In other words, he's not going to keep bringing it up. We keep bringing it up. That's true. And, and isn't the, the best way to combat that, that especially you call yourself a Christian or whatever, is the body armor of God's righteousness, which isn't our righteousness anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the truth is that it's because of Christ's righteousness and me being covered by his blood that I have any standing anyway. And so that becomes a great way to combat that lie that's kind of projected at us. So, And that's the very next one, isn't it? How do we stand firm in righteousness? And what is righteousness? I think Josh just said it. It's his righteousness, meaning not Josh's righteousness. Jesus' yeah, righteousness. I don't think you, you want know? to well, count Well, then again, on then Joshua, Yeshua, same name. Oh, well, there whatever. No, but <laughs> seriously, in the righteousness of Jesus, that's how we do it. It's not in our own strength. Vicki, I was thinking a couple things about the armor of God. Um, the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God, and you'll hear Bible teachers and listen to videos and so forth that say that that encourage people to actually go through the motions of putting on a helmet and a breastplate and the belt, holding the shield of faith and grabbing the sword of the spirit and so forth. It occurred to me that uh, this this may not be uh, the right observation, but 
The Bible never talks about taking our armor off, and I was thinking maybe I ought to write a poem or a song about sleeping with my armor on, <laughs> and uh, or taking a shower with my <laughs> armor on. I don't. I want to be like Josh described early on, where the protections uh, come from living for for Jesus and not physically putting on armor, physically taking off armor, but realize that our our protection in Christ comes from living for him every day. Mm. Um, also wanted to mention, too, that uh, it occurs to me, you've probably heard this if you've been around Christendom very long, there's even been persecution toward people who put together hymnals and write songs that deal with this kind of thing because there's a movement now that God is to say that God is all love and you shouldn't talk about war or anything. But the Bible clears, clearly uses that as the analogy for us to be prepared and, and live our life in a world filled with, with threat and persecution. I agree. So righteousness is basically right, right living. And then we go to the next one, which is, is peace. And I, I can't help but think of that scripture that says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so it's up, don't you think it's up to us to live in peace? You know, we know we're going to have live in perilous times. People are going to come against mm -hmm. us. But as far as it depends on us, then it's up to us. Somebody can't take it from us is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can stay in peace with Christ and it's, it's a process. You know, sometimes we're, our peace is going to get messed up because of what's happened, and we just keep running to Jesus, don't we, yep. uh, to, for our peace. And, uh, and then we got one here with faith. Um, you know, we're starting to get short on time, but faith can't grow uh, without trials and troubles. So that's where we're really exercising our faith the most is when we go through things, and we don't want to go through troubles and trials um, but, but it's just the reality is life. But don't you think that one of the tactics and the schemes that he brings against Christians is doubt? Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and if I may, just really quick, Roman soldiers would have leather shields, and when the fiery darts are fired, they would put out the fire. So our faith extinguishes the lies of Satan and the attacks of Satan. It does. Um, and so uh, it just extinguishes. I think all of these things are ways to stand against the devil's best tactic, which is to lie or bend the truth and that kind of thing. That's true. And then we got the helmet of salvation, and the helmet protects the head, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Joyce Meyer wrote a book, and I've read that before, The Battlefield of the Mind. And that's really the truth, isn't it? And uh, it's, so this is a reference to our mind and how we need to protect ourselves. Romans 12, 2 tells us to be transformed by the, renew transformed by the renewal of, of our minds. So we really have to uh, keep that in mind. Uh, we want to keep moving forward here just real quick. The Word of God shows us how to find the truth, to learn how to live righteously, to find peace, encourages our faith, renews our mind, leads us to pray, and, and how to pray. So it does all these things, doesn't it, and brings it in perspective. And of course, uh, prayer is our power source, you know, um, partnering with God. I know God has said that to me in, in prayer once. You know, I just felt the Spirit saying that to me. If something that had been going a long time and you pray for something, partner with me. So God brings about things through us, through our prayers. And so in closing, if we have any cracks in our armor, the devil's going to find it. And it's kind of, you kind of referred to that earlier with things, right. illustrations that you gave. But we can strong, stand strong in these perilous times that we're living in. 
Can't we, Pete? Absolutely. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Vicki, I want to thank you for sharing this today. It's been kind of hard to get through all of it, but I do thank you for being the leader of this program today. Josh Kugel and Mick Wells, thank you for joining us. This is Pete Vecchi, and to all those who are listening, thank you for joining us today for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.